Well, take your Bible, find Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 is going to be our text this morning. And really what I want to talk with you about is how to defeat discouragement and how to win over worry. Another sermon title could have been this, It is well with my soul. Now, there's all kinds of worries, there's all kinds of hazards, all kinds of anxieties. You know, I was, even this week when we were dropping Melissa off at college, and she's only like an hour, an hour and ten minutes up the road. I have a good friend of mine back at church, and, and his son's getting ready to go off into the Marine Corps. And some of you, you've, you've sent your children and grandchildren off to the mission field, and many of you have experienced much more uh, reason for anxiety and worry perhaps than Jennifer and I have, but I have to tell you, this week, there have been moments, you know, where, where, where I've wondered how she's doing. I've been nervous about where she'd have to park her car and how she's going to get there and all this stuff going on. All these things, you know. And, and, and the reality is this, is, is, is we're still blessed with the, with the fact that we now have cell phones. I mean, we can text, message, back and forth. We've been talking her up a storm this week, and she's having a great time. She's sending us pictures and, and all of that. But still, but still... We all know what it's like, whatever you're going through, don't we? To, to feel anxious, to have worries, to realize that we live in, 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 in tumultuous times. We live in a day and age where indeed there are a lot of things that can concern us. In fact, just, just take many common household items. They all come now written with warning labels on them. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons to be worried and scared. In fact, I just went, did a little survey of, of some of these warning labels. These are some things hazardous to your health. For instance, some of you might have used a curling iron this morning. It said this on a curling iron. Warning, this product can burn your eyes. That's a curling iron. On a, on a toilet at a public sports facility in, Ar- in Ann Arbor, Michigan, it said this. It warned, recycled flush water unsafe for drinking. All kinds of things are hazardous to your health. Underarm spray deodorant. Caution, do not spray in your eyes. A lot of hazards out there. On a toner cartridge for a, for, for a copy machine, it warned, do not eat toner. Uh, on, a, on a 13-inch wheel on a wheelbarrow, it said, not intended for highway use. On a, on a can of self-defense pepper spray, it warned, may irritate eyes. <laughs> on, a, on a toilet bowl cleaning brush, it warned, do not use orally. Um, on, a, on a manual for a microwave oven, it said, do not use for drying pets. Um, that, that's just messy. Um, on, a, on, a, on a box of rat poison, it said, warning, has... It's rat poison. Warning has been call, has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. <laughs> On a stroller, it said remove infant before folding for storage. <laughs> a, clo- a clothes iron warned, do not iron clothes while on your body. <laughs> and then I'll just give you one more that just tickled me. A child-sized Superman costume. Warning, wearing this garment does not enable you to fly. There are all kinds of things, aren't there, that are hazardous to our health? Well, I want us to get some encouragement from God's Word today, so stand with me. Also, another thing I learned from Brother Kelly, stand with me in honor of God's Word. Philippians 4, for many of you, perhaps some familiar exhortations. But Paul wants to make sure, the Apostle wants to make sure, his beloved understand some encouragements for them and for us in trying times. Verse 4 reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness or graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Scotty, you read that a little bit earlier today, a quotation of that from the Psalms. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And here's your promise. The God of peace will be with you. Father, indeed, we need not just peace with you as God, but we need the peace of God. And Lord, we know that the way we get the peace of God is through the God of peace. And so, Lord, today I pray that you will indeed... Minister to our souls. Help us to be able to say today, Lord, it is well with my soul. And I pray for loved ones here who perhaps are going through things that I just can't even begin to imagine what it's like to go through. Heartaches, mourning, grief, worries, anxiety, whatever it might be. Lord, I just pray today that we will find, we will find that God, you give us peace so, Lord, help us to take your word, these, or, these exhortations to heart and soul today. I pray the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord God, you are my rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and be seated. You know, there are all kinds of ways that we can try to help ourselves not to feel as anxious or to deal with the stress and the worries and the things that we accumulate through the week. In fact, it's been back now several years. Jennifer and I, we, we were given a gift by the church we were serving there in Richmond uh, to the Homestead Resort. We'd never been up to the Homestead. Beautiful resort in the mountains of Virginia. And we were there, and it was just the two of us. And she looked at me. She said, you know what? She said, I think... She was looking through all the list of different activities and services they had there at the resort. And she said, I think I'm going to go and have a massage. She said, she, she said, I, I want to go, I think it's going, well, it's going to be so relaxing. It's just going to kind of take the stress out of my shoulders. And I said, well, go ahead, hon. You, you deserve it. Go ahead, and, go ahead and get a massage. So she called up. She signed up for it. And she looked at me. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do while you're there. She said, well, you ought to come get a massage too. And I said, are you sure? I don't know. I, it seems kind of, I don't know if, I, if I'm into that, if I want to do that or not. It seems a little awkward. She says, well, look. She says, they, they have, they have a, a, a Female uh, uh, masseuses or massage therapists, I think they, they, they use now. Or they have male, whichever way you want to go, whatever you're most comfortable with. And I said, okay. And I said, well, you know, uh, when you sign me up, I'm not sure I should have another woman, you know, rubbing on my back and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I want to keep it straight. I'm conservative and Baptist pastorist and that. And so, and so she said, okay, no problem. Well, I can sign you up and they'll have a guy do it. I said, okay, that's fine. So, so we go on there and we're in the waiting room, you know, getting ready to go back for the session. And, and they come and they get Jennifer. This young lady comes out and says, ma'am, you ready for your massage? She said, oh, yes. They go back and, and, and all of a sudden I'm just sitting there waiting going, okay, I guess I'm probably next. And all of a sudden this, the, the therapist, he comes out, and he comes out, and he looks at me and says, 
all right, you ready for your massage? And, 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 and I, we go back there and we, and we get into the, into the operating room and he sits there and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he slaps the table. He says, hop up here, big fella. About an hour later, I come out of that massage session and I was more stressed and more anxious and more knotted up than I'd ever been in my life. I mean, that whole time, that grown man was rubbing oil on my back and stuff like that. I'm sitting there and I'm tensing up, Andrew, more and more every minute. And he's sitting there going, he says, this feel good? And I'm going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm whimpering and, and I'm just, you know, and finally, I finally, thank the Lord I got, got out of there. Man, I, and, and it was just, man, I'm walking out. Jeff's like, how was it? She's all relaxed. She's sipping hot tea or whatever. And I, and I walk out and I'm, like, I'm walking out like Frankenstein. Man, I'm just so stressed and I'm so tense. Well, I want you to know, you could try all kinds of things in this world, all types of remedies for stress, but right here in Philippians 4, I'm going to give you four tactics right from God's Word. Number one is this. I want you to hear this. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And right there you have it. Tactic number one is when we are anxious or worried, rejoice in the Lord. And don't forget, always He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord when it's a nice sunshiny day, when the weather's just perfect and it's low humidity. Rejoice in the Lord when your job is just going perfect and you got that raise that you've always wanted. He says rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, when Paul is writing this, he is literally chained to guards in the maritime prison, this notorious prison in the Roman Empire. Paul, he writes to these Philippians who they were worried about their pastor. They were worried about the the leader, the Apostle Paul, who had helped to found their church. They were concerned. They were anxious about what they saw going on in the Roman Empire. They They were anxious about persecution that was befalling many other believers in Christ. And so he writes them. While shackled in prison for the, his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and for preaching Jesus, he writes them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And I think it's very telling in Scripture that we are told rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your situation. And then he tells us again, as if we might could have missed it the first time. Rejoice in the Lord always, again. I'm going to tell you again. And, and aren't there many times where we need to be told that again? Again and again. He says, rejoice. Rejoice. And notice, he doesn't just say rejoice always. Does he? No. Because, you know, when you're going through grief and tragedy, it would, it would be ludicrous For you just to put some kind of fake smile on your face. For you just try to do some kind of positive thinking. For you just try to say, you know what? Hey, 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 this, the sun will come up tomorrow or something like that. You know, you know, you know, your neighbors, your family members who aren't believers, they don't understand that. I mean, how can you, how can you still have joy in your life when you're going through life's tragedies? Well, because the Bible doesn't tell us just to rejoice always. What's it say, church? Rejoice how? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul didn't find his joy in his freedom. He didn't find it in his circumstances. He didn't find it in his amusements. He didn't even find it in his friends. He didn't even find it in his health. In the 104 verses of the book of Philippians, we find the name of Christ, or a pronoun referring to Christ, over 60 times. Christ. 
It's Christ, church. Christ is the source of His joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And then look at verse 5. He says this, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness, your graciousness, in fact, that one word that's translated either gentleness or reasonableness, depending on your Bible translation, is from a Greek word that actually can be translated many different ways. At its root, it means behavior that is selfless and not selfish. Now, I find it interesting that in the midst of talking about anxiousness and talking about worries... He has just said, rejoice in the Lord always. And now immediately in the next breath, he says, and let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but when I begin to feel stressed or anxious or worried or consumed with all the different concerns of life, I can begin to get a little bit edgy with other people. You ever experienced that? Just begin to get a little bit more maybe short-tempered, just a little bit rough around the edges, a little bit cranky, a little bit worrisome, a little bit bothered. It's like little things can set you off. And afterwards, like, I don't know what came over me. I don't know why I was in such a bad mood. It's, it's, it's amazing. Right here in God's Word, God knows us so well. He says, he says I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to be on guard. When you are anxious or worried, number two is this, relate carefully with others. It's very practical. You use care in your relating to others. Gentleness, graciousness, reasonableness. Really, literally, a gentle spirit. Ask God to give you a gentle spirit. It's, it's written in the other portions of the New Testament. Even when, when church leaders, their qualifications are being written about and addressed. Time and time again, it is mentioned... That we are to have gentleness, we are to be reasonable, we are to be hospitable with others. In fact, he says, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That's not just the people you like, that's just not the people who are praying for you, that's just not your church family, that's just not your earthly family. He says, let it be known to everyone. Even people who seem not to get it. Let your gentleness be known to them. See, so often we go through life, and especially, especially when we get wrought up, especially when we get anxious. And if we're not careful, we'll just go off on somebody. He says, listen, just, just remember this. People are watching. I, I think about the testimonies I've heard from folks. Maybe they've, 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 they've been going through a health scare, and they've been in the hospital. Maybe a prolonged health health issue, and they've been in the hospital a lot, maybe cancer treatments. Think about people who've gone through the tragic loss or grieving the loss of a loved one. And, 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 and people that are not believers in Christ, who don't go to church, will later comment on how that person seemed to go through that trial and that tribulation with such faith. Not not a not not whimsical, not a sense of, of of denying reality, but a faith in the Lord. 
And you see, that gets people's attention. That gets everyone's attention. Let your gentleness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It just doesn't get your family's attention. It just doesn't get believers' attention. It gets every, it gets everyone's attention, even the lost and perhaps especially the lost. They look at you and they say, you know what, there's something different. That's being salt and light. But isn't it, isn't it hard? Isn't it hard to be gentle? Isn't it hard sometimes to think about others when you're suffering, when we're going through something? But that's why I, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful Paul starts with verse 4 before he tells me verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Then let your reasonableness be known to everyone. In fact, through the Spirit, when through the Spirit, in Galatians 5 is being described, gentleness is one of them. So tactic number one, when we're anxious or worried, rejoice in the Lord always. Tactic number two, relate carefully with others. And then look at number three. In number three, he goes on, he says, the Lord is at hand, verse six, don't be anxious about anything. Now, in the Bible, that's not just a suggestion. That's, that's just not an encouragement. It is literally a command. We are being told, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about worries. He talks about, he talks about God's people being anxious. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6 that worry is worthless. He said, what, what are you going to add to your life? What are you going to, what are you going to really solve by worrying about it? It's interesting. You go back and look at just the etymology of the word for worry. The Greek word used it, used here literally means to pull apart. Our, our English word worry comes from the German word vergen, which means to choke or to strangle. And that's what worries can do. They can, they can choke us. They can pull us apart. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6 that worry is worthless. He also taught us that it's wrong. Matthew 6.32, he says, that's what the pagans do. You're, you're to put your faith in me. You're to put your trust in me. I'm to be the source of your rejoicing. So, so worry about nothing. So what's your option then? What do you do? Worry about nothing, church, and pray about everything. Pray about anything, all right? See, tactic number three is this, relieve anxiety by praying. We relieve our anxiety by praying. And he goes on, he gives us several words to describe prayer. He says in verse six, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Now that's the more general word used in the Bible for making a request made known to God. Choir, that's the general word for prayer. He says, he says, he says, make your prayers by in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is a second word. That's the idea there of sharing your needs. You have a prayer list. You, many of you picked up a prayer list. I, I got one handed me when they gave me the, the bulletin when I walked into service this morning. And that's where we, we ask God, it's supplication. Think of the word supply when you hear the word supplication. We ask God to supply for our needs. That's supplication. There's, there's, there's really no problem too big for God's power. Amen? We all would say amen to that. But I want, I, want, I want to just point this out to you. There's no problem too big for God's power, but there's no problem too small for God's concern. See, I think sometimes we actually, as well-meaning biblical Christians, we play mental gymnastics sometimes when it comes to praying. 
In fact, in most surveys, when you survey Christians, survey people that are active churchgoers, you can ask them, what is, what is an area of weakness? What is an area you feel like you need, you need help in in your life? Prayer always ranks at the top. Prayer is always just about at the top. So I got thinking about this. You know, so often I'll say, okay, I know there, there, there are situations, they just drive us to just cry out to God for prayer. And I think about things, maybe you're a parent, you go through in life with, with, with certain things your children go through, um, your grandchildren go through, and it will, it will push you to be a better person of prayer than you could have ever asked some kind of small group study to take you through. Isn't that the truth? Now, now we, need to, we need those small group studies, but I tell you, there's something about life's laboratory. It just presses you to just pray, to pray, not fancy, not dressed up, but just to pray, to just cry out to God, to not, to not be bashful about asking other people to pray for you. Pray for me about this. But I think sometimes what we do is, is we'll say, ah, that's too small. That's too small to ask for prayer about. That's too small for me to talk to God about that. And I always think about that this way. If, if, if anything, if, 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 if that's too small, then what am I saying about God? Now, if we say God is awesome. We talked about that the other week I was here, how God is awesome, right? Remember that if you were here? Our God is awesome. So if our God, if our God is that awesome, there's really kind of a flip logic to this. If there's nothing, there's nothing too big for our God to handle, literally, literally, you need to know this also about God. God is so loving, He is so caring, there's nothing too small for His concern either. Because you see, listen, if there's actually something big and small to God, then that means God evidently is either big or small. See, if God is that awesome, nothing is too big. And therefore, by logic, nothing is too small. God's got it. You know, we can relieve anxiety by praying. 1 Peter 5, 7 teaches us to unload our worries on the Lord. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. But then he just doesn't say pray and then come to God with your supplications. What else does he say, church, about prayer? He uses one other word. He says, he says let your what be made? Thanksgivings be made known to God. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an integral part of the life of the worshiper of Almighty God. In fact, in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 31 verse 2 says this, And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites according to their divisions, each man according to his service, the priests and Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. There was actually a, a special group of priests. Their only job was to give thanksgiving to God. When I think about the average church, I think about all the different jobs we have in the church. I think about guys out this morning in the parking lot, making sure everybody gets in safe, and they're kind of the front door greeting. And then I think about the folks at the doorway, on your welcome teams. I think about those who are, who, are, who are leading prayer, those who are teaching in your Bible study classes, your Sunday school classes this morning, those who've led in worship, the ushers. I mean, I mean on and on. There are so many different roles, so many different ministry opportunities in a local church. But often I've wondered this, what if, what if the church actually had a ministry of thanksgiving? 
What if we had a Thanksgiving committee, all right? What if we had, what if we had a team of people? Your job, you do nothing else in the church except you're the group of people. Your job is this. You're in charge of giving thanks on behalf of God's people to the Lord. But you know what would actually be wrong about that or what would make that a bad idea is then we'd say, okay, we just want to, just a few of you are in charge of giving thanks. But actually, I think it'd be okay right now. We can just go ahead and have a quick business meeting right now. We can just go ahead and appoint all of you to this church's new committee on Thanksgiving. Amen? All in favor of that, say amen. 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 See, business does not have to be hard. All of us need to be on that committee of the church. Giving thanks unto God. We relieve anxiety by praying. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. I think about Daniel in the Old Testament. What a tremendous example. In Daniel 6, when the king said no one can pray, what did Daniel do? Did did Daniel picket the palace? Did Daniel start to post all kinds of things online complaining about the king's eating? No, what did he do? He goes, he goes up into his upper room as had been his custom and practice and he prayed. He just did what he'd been doing. And how humbling that is to us, how challenging that is to us. And Daniel 6.10 says he prayed and he gave thanks to God. We relieve anxiety by praying. He says, it says this at the end, in verse 7, right after that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The picture here, the word picture, remember I, t- I mentioned earlier that Paul's in prison, right? And he has guards. He has guards, most likely guards uh, chained to each side. There would be a guard outside the, the doorway in the hallway of there of the dungeon... He, he uses an interesting metaphor here. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's literally this picture, church. It's the picture of the peace of God, like two centuries, standing guard over my heart and my mind. That's what the peace of God is intended for. You relieve anxiety by by praying. Amazing to consider. How God wants to deal with our worries and our anxieties, isn't it? But 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 right there, here's here, you know, we could stop right there. And we'd have a pretty good, I think we'd have a pretty decent little sermon, you know, and and um but but there's one part that that, that I that I like to include, and it's the next couple verses. Because I don't know about you, but I often find in my life, there's a tremendous battleground in my life. And it happens between here and here. It's this battleground. It's my mind. You know what's amazing about the, the brain, the mind? And, and, is I can, be, I, I can be standing here preaching. And I can actually, while I am preaching, and you're just, man, he's into that text, he's telling that story, he's telling us what that verse means. I can, in my mind, I can actually have different things going on in my mind at the same time. If that happens to you, Andrew, when you're up here leading, preaching, Ken, I'm, you know, I can. I could be sitting here saying, and, and you know, relieve anxiety by praying, and my mind's going, wonder what we're having for lunch today. You know, I have all these things, you know. The battleground of the mind. I think about how Jesus... Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God. Not just with your soul. The mind is one of the areas He lists. 
The Bible talks about having the mind of Christ. We got to deal with this battleground before we stop today. And it really comes down to this. Tactic number four is this. Reflect on praiseworthy things. That's why he says in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever's true, that means constant, that means valid, the Word of God is truth, that means I need to take God's Word into my brain, many other opinions are out there, I need God's truth. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, that we would be sanctified by the truth. Psalm 19, 9 tells us that God's word is true. He says, whatever is true. He says, whatever is honorable, honest, noble, don't let trash in your mind. Whatever is just, whatever is just, is, is, it, that means straight as opposed to crooked. It's right. It's righteous. It's thinking that honors God's holiness. Is this thought righteous? If it's not a righteous thought, then ask God's century, the peace of God, to throw it out of your brain. Get out of here. You're not welcome here. Whatever is pure, free of contamination, whatever is lovely or loving, it means... Sweet, gracious, patient, gets along with others. We have a pastor, Brother Kelly, I was actually pretty good friends with him. It's where he's supposed to do revival sharing in October. Brother Daryl Harbin's church. I've gotten to know Daryl over the past few years serving with the SBC of Virginia. And, and Daryl will, will, will always tell his church. He does this before their business meetings. He, he'll do this at different times. He always say, now remember y'all, everybody be sweet. That's his little saying, be sweet. And it kind of cracks the rest of us up. But that's a good little word. Isn't it a shame that so often some of us have been to church and it's been anything but sweet? The people of God, we ought to be known for sweet, gracious, patient attitudes and actions. Get along with others, pleasing and pleasant. And then he says, whatever is commendable, that's of good repute. These are things that would give a good, that would give a Christian a good reputation and a good name if we could take what was going on in my brain and put it on that screen right now. I need to reflect on praiseworthy things. But church, that, that's hard to do, isn't it? Here's, here's what I want you to notice. He says, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there if there's is in any excellence, if there's anything pray, worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. Notice, in this, in this paragraph, he doesn't say, don't think about this. Because you see, here's, here's, here's what you cannot do. You cannot just empty your mind. You have to fill your mind with something else. I'll prove it to you. Let's do a little experiment. I, I, I do not want you to think about submarines right now. I don't want you to think about Navy submarines. I don't want you to think about a submarine sitting in the water. I don't want you to think about uh, a submarine over at the Norfolk military base, at Navy base. I don't want you to think about any kind of submarine right now, okay? I want you to get submarines totally out of your minds. I don't want you to think about little yellow submarines. I don't want you to think about any kind of submarines right now. I want you just to get all these images. Submarine going through the water, whatever, just get it out of your mind right now. All right, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Don't be thinking about submarines. Just get it out. Don't do that. It's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard? Now I want you to, I want you to think about I want you to think about how awesome your God is. 
I want you to think about how your God loves you more than anything or anyone. I want you to think about how your God is holy, holy, holy. I want you to think about some of those songs we sang earlier today. I want you to think about how great our God is. Now all of a sudden, it's, 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 it's not as hard, is it? You see, we have, to, we have to not just empty our minds, we have to refill our minds with the good. Romans 12, 2 tells us, transform, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's why in Joshua 1, 8, God, God reminds us through, through, through the ministry there, of, as Moses' ministry concludes and Joshua begins to take leadership, God's Word tells us, the book of the law, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, in it, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. And that's why, that's why then Paul, Paul says, hey, in verse 9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice this, y'all. Practice these things. And that means this. That means this. We haven't arrived. We've got to keep practicing. It's like, it's like Mark, my son. Mark, Mark, Mark plays a, a good bit of basketball. He's, 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 he's playing volleyball at his high school. It's volleyball season right now. And man, he practices. He practices and practices. Jenna loves sports too. Uh, you know, she, she, she'll be doing soccer. She'll be doing swimming this fall. And she practices. Melissa, Melissa is, is swimming in college this fall. And she'll practice. Man, man, tremendous discipline. Practice. Practice these things. Why? Because, because they're, they're wanting to get stronger, aren't they? That's, that's what God is telling us in His Word right here. He said, I know you haven't arrived yet. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. I want, I want you to relate carefully to others. I, I want you to relieve your anxiety by praying. You could talk with me, my child. Reflect on praiseworthy things. But I know right now, your mind, oh, you, you might be wrought up. There might be things that concern you. What's on, what's on your heart and soul today? You know, I, I was taking a walk early this morning, um, and, and this thought came to my mind. I, I was reminded of that story about the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, that Horatio Spafford wrote. You talk about kind of a modern day Job. I think it was his son was killed in the Chicago fire. His business tanked. It just struggled in the economic aftermath of that horrible fire in Chicago. He um, was tidying up some business things. His wife takes, I think it was three daughters, takes them on board the cruise ship to head on over, I believe it was to England. Well, on the way, the cruise liner sinks. The daughters are killed in that tragedy. He gets a two, a two, uh, I think it was two or three word message back from his wife, letting him know that she was the only one who had survived. He, he boards a ship to go meet his grieving wife. And it was either the captain on the ship or someone pointed out to him when they were crossing the spot of the Atlantic where the ship had gone down that took the life of his daughters, he began to write the words of now that, that hymn that has been sung by so many. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me, to know it is well with my soul. 
Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed His own blood for my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back and the Lord shall descend. He says a song in the night for my soul. It is Well, what is it, church? It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. So I want to ask you this morning, have have you come to the cross of Jesus and said, Jesus, I repent of the sinful, rebellious thought that that I can try to go through life all on my own. Lord Jesus, forgive me for whatever, fill in the blank. Because you see, all of that, whatever that fill in the blank is, that sin, that rebellion, it's all summed up in the idea that it's been the lie of the devil all along. Oh, oh, you can do this on your own. It's that pride. That you know better than God knows Himself. Won't you come today? Brother Ken will be down front. Won't you come today and just say, I need Jesus. And some loved ones here are going to pray with you. They're going to talk with you. You may need to join this church. Maybe you're not a member of this church. I want to encourage you, become a part of this church. Make this your church home. Don't go through trying to shoulder life's burdens on your own. And by the way, God can use you to be a great comfort and aid to many others. That's why you have a church family. But maybe you're here today and you just want to come and kneel on these stairs, this altar here. Maybe you want to pray where you are and just talk with God about whatever's on your heart today, whatever is the concern that's in your life right now. Father, God, help us. Help us to be able to say it is well with my soul. Lord God, I pray that Your peace will attendeth our way, that Your peace will... Guard us, God. A peace that is, well, beyond our own understanding. Help us to rejoice in You always, Lord Jesus. God, help us to relate carefully with others. Lord, help us to know we can always pray. And God, fill our minds with Your Word, with the Scripture, with praiseworthy things. Oh, Lord Jesus, minister to us now. Move among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.